This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. Guardian Fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. Working on trying to arrange some more fan interviews. If you're a fan of those, I'm sorry I haven't had time to get some of those together recently, but we will do that and get on giving you some more of that content as soon as possible. It's a rough time to be a Guardians fan. No two ways around it. The team has lost five in a row. Worst time in the season since they lost seven in a row. And it's at times like this where you can feel pretty down about the team and its future. But again, we knew this team was probably a 500 or slightly under 500 team. So while it gets super exciting when they make it look like, hey, maybe we're a playoff team. Maybe we can push for a division title this year, a year ahead of time. It's also important to remember that the mean, they're likely to regress to the mean at some point in the time that we're watching them, and that's what we're seeing right now. Now, again, do think they had a chance to steal that last game against Minnesota and definitely had a chance to steal at least one game against the Red Sox, which kind of makes this a totally different conversation if that happens. So it's important not to think that every game has been like an 11-1 to drubbing at the hand of the Minnesota Twins, but this last game has been tough. And it's tough to lose these games at home. We finally have people excited coming out to the ballpark, beautiful weather, and they're just not seeing the team perform like they're capable of. So that's frustrating. It's disappointing. All fans deserve to be frustrated about it. It's frustrating to see Owen Miller sliding so bad. It's frustrating to see Miles Straw sliding so badly. It's frustrating to see pitchers uh, like Tristan McKenzie, who you know he's capable of so much, and just struggling to put it all together right now. Just keep remembering he's only 24 years old. He can still figure this thing out, and he's still got time to do it. So we can't give up on him. we got to know that he's going to continue to work at it and get better at not giving up these long balls that he keeps giving up. So uh, one good thing that came out of this game Ian Jabot looked pretty good as he came into relief, and I learned how to say his name today, so that's kind of exciting. I saw Lamole Franmel's eyebrows on Twitter had a great line where he called him Chubby Eli Morgan, which is kind of what he looks like. And um, it was good to see him do a little bit of good work in relief, and hopefully he kind of sticks around for a little bit longer. I've kind of wanted to see what him and Jake Jewell might be capable of, two guys that the team signed and and put in Columbus at the beginning of the year. That's about it for highlights. There wasn't much else to be excited about. You know, guys got hits that you'd expect to get hits, and they only got one apiece. Jose Ramirez took a walk, and that's about it. So I thought today, uh, I'm a little exhausted today, so I'm just going to share with you my top five fears for the Guardians. Sometimes it's good to say our fears out loud, to confront those fears and reassure ourselves that we don't have anything to be afraid of. So that's what I'm going to do. These may 
be your fears as well, or they may not. They may be mostly mine. But hopefully hearing me talk about them and talk myself through them will help you as well. So my top five fears for the Guardians right now. Number five, Tito is going to overuse Brian Shaw and Ernie Clement for another three months. I think this is probably the most realistic of my fears because I don't see any signs that Tito plans to stop using Brian Shaw and Ernie Clement. So today was a good example of how to use Ernie Clement well, coming in for Jose in a game that's out of reach, pitching when there's no point in using a reliever. That's a good place to use Ernie Clement. Today was also a good example of where to use Brian Shaw. Game's out of reach, bring Brian Shaw in. But I don't have a lot of confidence that that's what Tito's going to continue to do. With Shaw, I was kind of excited when I saw kind of mid-May, Shaw picked up his fastball to a point of where he was throwing it 96, topping out 96 and kind of sitting 95. Right now, he's sitting 91, 92 and can get up occasionally to 93. And that's just not going to fly. Like If he can hit 95, 96, then the guy sit 95 and hit 96, then the guy's probably capable of being a reasonable option if the situation's right. Kind of your fifth to sixth guy on the depth chart. And, you know, Tito was basically mostly using him that way. Sometimes bringing him in, you're like, what the heck's going on with this? But most of the time that way. So... I do think that Tito thinks that Shaw is capable of things that he's not capable of, and I'm afraid he's not going to recognize when the moment comes that Shaw's just not capable of consistently getting major league hitters out as soon as he needs to. Also, with the team having committed $3 million to him for some unforeseen reason and unknown reason, that they may stick with him longer than what they need to. All those fears go through my mind. I do believe that the team is not going to just stick with Ernie Clement forever. I think if he continues to put up a 40 WRC+, plus, that he's not going to be on the team that much longer. They'll probably send him down and try somebody else in that role, whether it's David Fry or Owen Miller, or maybe even Tyler Freeman comes up and gets more bats, and they send Owen Miller and Ernie Clement down, or DFA Ernie Clement. You can... DFA Ernie Clement, clear 40-man roster spot. Nobody's going to claim him, and if they do, congratulations, you have an Ernie Clement. I do think that Ernie Clement's time is probably limited. It's just worrying about Brian Shaw that kind of sticks with me as far as this one goes. Number four, Owen Miller might be bad. So today I had to take a look at how many plate appearances Owen Miller has in the majors. He has 451 plate appearances and a WRC plus of right around 70. And I'm just afraid that might be who he is, which would be an example of me being wrong. Looking at Owen Miller's minor league stats, looking at his getting capability, I really thought that he was probably an 100 to 110 WRC plus guy who could play second base, a major league starting second baseman. I said that on the last podcast. I've been saying that. But it's beginning to look like he may not be. And, you know, you probably can only give him another 100 to 150 plate appearances to kind of show you something different. Sure, he is capable of making contact, and a lot of people point out his sacrifice flyability, which is a good ability to have, but it's not as good of an ability as getting on base, getting hits, getting home runs. And he's not especially a great defender. You know, he's, he's solid, but he's not a great defender. So he's probably not a good option for utility infielder. It's 
Ernie Clement is probably still a better option as a utility infielder than Owen Miller. If Owen Miller's bad, well, for the Guardians, it's probably not that huge of a deal because they have a lot of other middle infielders who can fill in that spot. It's probably more of a bummer that you won't be able to get much of him for him in a trade, which is ultimately what I kind of hope might happen for Owen Miller, that he might be a guy who could use in a trade to get something decent back that could fill another hole in your lineup. Do you think the team will recognize this? I, I think they probably have a similar idea of that 600 plate appearance mark to kind of say, all right, this is who this guy probably is. And I think that's fine. He could turn things around and, and prove, you know, those of us who believe in him right again, he can still do that. And part of it might be the limited amount of plate appearances he's been getting lately. So we'll have to wait and see. But if he is bad, I think the team will realize that and move on. Number three, this might be the number one, but I'll put it here for now. Number three, Jose's thumb might be hurt in such a way that it is negatively affecting how he hits the ball, and the team is not willing to put him on the injured list until after the series with the Twins, after the series with the Yankees, or they just want him to play through it, and rest might help. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional but I sure hope that if there's a chance that he could kind of get better by resting, that they would just put Jose on the injured list and, you know, call up Nolan Jones, call up Gabriel Arias. Don't let Jose's thumb issue linger because, man, this team needs him. You can't, can't do it with him popping up all the time. we got to have him hitting the ball hard. So if Jose is hurt, that's got to be the number one thing the team has to deal with and get ahead of because he can't afford to have that linger throughout the rest of the year. I do believe that the team is aware of that, that Jose is their best asset and they can't afford to ruin that asset even if they're trying to win a series against the Twins. So I do believe that that's logical. So I assure myself that, hey, this is just something he's working through. Just get the thumb to get stronger, keep working on it, and he'll be back to where he used to be. He was 3 for 4 the other day. He's still capable of getting on base as he got a walk today. So just have to get through this tough time. Number two, the team might stop being as aggressive as they need to be with prospects who deserve a look in the majors. Still have a lot of guys who need to get a look in the majors. Have guys that maybe don't seem that close that could get a look. Like, honestly... Why not add Logan Allen to the 40-man? You know you're going to do it after the season and let him get a start in the doubleheader tomorrow. You know, just get a chance to see one of those guys and see what they're capable of. I know the answer is because, well, once you're on the 40, then you have to bring him up whenever you have a pitching injury or a doubleheader. Kind of okay with that at this point. But I think mainly I just don't want to see the team linger forever with guys like Owen Miller. And hey, like Oscar Gonzalez, if need be, I'm not. We're not there right now with him for sure, but just not to stay with him forever. To say to Miles Straw, hey buddy, you know you're not figuring it out right now, and even though we believe in you, you've got to switch to more of a fourth outfielder role and try to figure things out from a pinch hitting standpoint and the occasional start standpoint. Work on things in the cages with Chris Valeka and stop, you know, <laughs> beating your self into the ground every time that you start every night and give Will Burnham a chance in center field. You know, that give Stephen Kwan a chance in center in center field and another person a chance and Palacios a chance in left. Nolan Jones a chance in right and 
DH Oscar Gonzalez now and then. These are all things that the team should consider doing, as well as being aggressive to promote Tyler Freeman and Gabriel Arias when the chance arises. You know, trading Ahmed Rosario, trading anybody who's keeping you from getting a chance to look at all the prospects you need to. I hope they're aggressive with that in the coming weeks. I hope they're aggressive with trading prospects who are going to up on the 40. I hope that they don't just sit back on their hands and try to wait for the perfect deal, which is kind of their one flaw as a front office, is they tend to seem like they want to wait till they get the perfect deal. Well, you got to take a look at all these guys, and you've got to be aggressive about it. They've been so aggressive all season, so hopefully they will continue. That's what they've said the season is all about, is evaluating these players, so hopefully they continue to show that they mean it. So to go along with some of the stuff I've said, the number one fear I have that I don't want to admit to myself is that Framel Reyes and Miles Straw just might not be that good. And I don't really believe this. I still am a firm believer that Reyes and Straw are valuable major league players, that Straw is a great eighth or ninth hitter on a good in a good lineup, and that Framel Reyes can bat fourth or fifth in a good lineup and put up 120 WRC plus and hit homers. But man, has it been concerning lately. And man, are they striking out too much, mostly Reyes. And man, is Straw making some really soft contact. And that's frustrating to see. And and hopefully, you know, this new hitting coach that we have can really work with these guys and try to work that out. But, you know, sometimes I'm concerned by when I hear him say, hey, um, you know, it's good to see guys going to the opposite field because. You know, Reyes has power to the opposite field, but Straw's power and Straw's value is, is pulling the ball. And Reyes also should be able to pull some more pitches than he currently is. You just got to get through to Reyes in his head. He's all in his head. It's all mental right now. Just get him back on track. Get his mind right, and he's going to be okay. But the fact that it is a mind issue lets me know, hey, it's not like a physical thing where eventually if he recovers, he's going to be okay. He's really got to do the work to make the change mentally to make that happen. And Miles Straw, I mean, there's risk that he is not a major league starter. And we've known that the whole time that he's here. We've kind of counted on the Guardians to see something there that they were going to develop and work on and believed in them. They were going to figure that out. But they've failed with outfielders before, and they could be failing here. It's too early to say. Um, but Miles Straw is a little bit older. He needs to figure it out. Whether it's from the bench, whether it's, hey, you got to work on something in Columbus even, uh, whether it's, you know, as more of a fourth outfielder role till he kind of gets his head together, uh, it's all possible. It's all on the table, and they need to keep it all on the table. I don't think the team, it's pretty clear the team isn't really going to say, oh, hey, Reyes, you just have the ability to strike out. 50% of the time the rest of the year and we'll play you every day. It's pretty clear as they've moved Straw around and sat him here and there that they're also not willing just to have him just, you know, crash and burn the rest of the year as well. So it makes me confident that they're going to do what it takes to try to get them right without having them ruin the team's chances to win every game. But I do have some legitimate concerns about both of them that I only whisper to myself in the dead of night and now here on this podcast. <laughs> Still believe in both of them. I still believe in Owen Miller. Still believe in Reyes and Straw. You know, out of all those players, most confident in Reyes. Second most confident in Straw. Third most confident in Owen Miller. But we'll see how it develops. And hey, tomorrow's a new day. We've got two games. Let's try to take two. Let's try to 
win this series, forget about today, flush it, forget about it, move on for tomorrow, and just remember that tomorrow's another day, and we have some baseball in it. There was a time where we didn't know if we'd have baseball this season, and we have it. So didn't get a chance to go to a game with Elliot this uh, past time that I planned because he was sick. So this week, plan to go with him to the game on Wednesday, so that'll be my first Guardians game of the year, hopefully. And I'm looking forward to it, no matter how they're playing. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment. 